get going this morning. I want to say a big um, a big shout out to all of our ladies who came for this conference. For those of you who missed it, we, mi- we missed you this year. I, you know, I wasn't a part of the women's conference except for Robert Hodges and I were in the back the whole time. We tried to let the ladies have their, la- we just we just ran the, the, uh, the screens and everything. So I want to show you, give you a little bit of um, kind of uh, what it was like to be here this weekend. I have some pictures. Um, so uh, Miss Dawn, if you'd fire those away here. Um, this what, so what what do we do at Lyft Conference? Well, we had um, some worship and the Word. I think we got a picture of that one. What's that next one there, Miss Dawn? Yeah, there you go. The ladies around the tables having a good time worshiping. Um, that person up there on the keyboard leading is is Christy Parker. You're going to get to see her in just a little bit. Um, she's a friend of ours, a longtime fr- uh, friend of ours from Panama City, Florida, and she came up just for this conference and she's done a great job. So appreciate that. So they were there was time. Yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Um, we, we had time, she, we spent time in the Word, and we had some tables set up, and ladies spent time in small groups together, praying for one another and discussing the messages. And then we had another picture. Let's see what we got here. I'm not even sure. Oh, we also had Jesus Chicken, which is Chick-fil-A, for those of you who don't know. And so we had a ton of that. So that's what you got to have at a Christian conference is Jesus Bird. And then we got, we did, they did some crafts, which you can see an example of right here. So not all of them say pray big. Some of them say pray. Some of them say abide in me. It was cool. And then we had makeovers, okay? Um, and uh, these makeovers, this is what it turned out to be, if you would, just, just you need to see this. Look at how beautiful. Doesn't that look amazing? Especially Rebecca. That was just awesome. So as you can tell, everyone had a good time. And Christy, um, we can take that one down because no one's going to listen to what I say with that one up. Okay. Um, <laughs> we had just a good time. Christy has been, it was leading these ladies and encouraging them to live lives of worship not only just lives of worship, but what does that look like? Lives filled with prayer, with, with, with the Bible, lives, lives that are led and moved by the Spirit of God that resound in the glory of God. And I'll tell you something about Christy, for those of you who are here, she's like, she's like a lightning rod, okay? Like when you're around her, she just kind of, it just kind of, you know, lightning rod, lightning rod accepts the power, okay, and then like feeds it out to you, okay, and you get a little, you know, little zap from it. So we've, we've been experienced that, too, at the house, hanging out with you, Amy and I have, but also these ladies got to see, and they, she, she really encourages people towards Jesus, and I want to come alongside of her today and encourage our ladies, but this, lady, this message is not just for the ladies, because if some of you guys are checking out, like, oh, I'm going to lose my man card if I listen to this message. This is for you, too, because we re- what we're really getting at is what is the core of the Christian life? It's worshiping God, knowing Him, hearing from Him, communing with Him, living lives that are obedient, spirit-led, coming to the Word, coming to prayer, coming to Him in worship, both corporately and privately. And I want to exhort you and encourage you to do two things this morning, that your life should not only be filled with those things, but they should be filled with service and with Sabbath. With service and with Sabbath. Now, I'm not talking about Black Sabbath for those of you classic rock lovers, okay? Like, yeah, <laughs> okay. I don't, you know, if you do that, that's all good, okay? There's a person I call on a regular basis, and that is his. Uh, he's got um, Black Sabbath as his ringtone, okay? So it's one of the. I think it's Iron Man, okay? So um, I almost said Spider Man. That was that's not right. <laughs> so anyway. The, the, the idea of Sabbath comes from the commandment in Exodus 20, one of the Ten Commandments, right? You've heard of that before. You've seen those around. That's pretty, they're pretty popular. Um, and so you've seen the Ten Commandments, and one of those is remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. But I want you to know something. That's the Sabbath day was a picture 
of the one who is to be our rest to come. It's fulfilled in Jesus Christ. Remember, he came to fulfill the law. That's why we don't, that's why we don't have to, to do no work from sundown on Friday or till, till, till the evening on Saturday. That's why we don't have to be the strict Sabbatarian. All the rules there, all the little idiosyncrasies that went along with Sabbath day that you have to rest on, the, on that day, when a, we, they have been fulfilled in Jesus, and now we see him as our rest, but we still need rest. So I realized something today. I want to talk to you about service, and I want to talk to you about Sabbath, and those things need to be seen in our life. And I want to show you where this is in Luke chapter 10. It'll be on the screen in just a second. If you don't have it in your Bible, we'll give you a second to turn there. Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. And Jesus has started his public ministry at this point in Luke's gospel, and it's going strong. And we get to a place where he has set his eyes towards Jerusalem, where he will eventually be crucified. And we pick up in verse 38, and it says this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. This is probably the, a, a village called Bethany. And a woman named Martha welcomed them into her house. Martha is having house guests. I don't know if your house is like this, but when, when we have house guests, we are going to run around like crazy people and try to take all of our junk that is usually like strewn across all sorts and corners of the household, and we're going to shove it everywhere and make people think that we are the most clean, together people of all time, which is not true, mostly because of me at my house. Do you, does anybody else experience that? <laughs> I think my wife gave an amen to that one, okay? <laughs> I mean, you're just, you're running around, like people are coming, oh my gosh, they're going to be here, throw the stuff in the closet, and then, again, and then you're saying, you know, you, you, you've You've probably done this before. Just excuse the house. It's a mess. I call my wife out on it. You're a liar. This is the cleanest it's been in two months because of my messy tail. Lies. Don't lie, woman. Okay? That is, you think about this. They're having a house guest. And it's, not, it's Jesus and his crew. Okay? Which is a, it's a motley crew, too. Okay? I mean, these guys, you got a former insurrectionist. You got a bunch of fishermen. You got some guys from all over the place. You got a former tax collector. You got all these bad dudes that are now following Jesus. They've come as his disciples. And you got Jesus hanging in, coming in. And so he, she's not just welcoming a normal person. She's welcoming the Son of God and his crew. That's some pressure as a hostess. Just get this, okay? Martha welcomed him into her house. And verse 39 says, And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teachings. Now, first off, this, you may not think anything about that. Well, first off, you think sitting at someone's feet, that's kind of odd. That was the posture of a disciple in the first century. And the fact that a woman was getting to sit at the feet of a rabbi was completely and utterly culturally insane to them. It did not happen. But Jesus welcomes the females, the ladies, into his presence and, and called them as disciples. I, don't want you, I, want, I want you to see this. Jesus welcomed in the ladies to come and sit at his feet. And that's what Mary did. She saw the opportunity. Martha is welcoming into her home. Mary is sitting down. Verse, let's see, verse 40 said this, and Martha was distracted with much serving. Almost see the 
the frantic nature. She was distracted with much serving. There's a lot going on, and she is distracted. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not listen? She's ticked off. It's, it's very much in the text that she was, it's, 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 and especially in the original language, she has got tons of things going on. She's got a pot on the stove. She's doing all this stuff. Mary's sitting there, and her level of anger is way up high. You've probably experienced this before. I have where somebody who is doing nothing is telling you what to do, and you want to hit them with things. Get up off your tail and do something. My wife probably experiences that regularly with me. God bless her. I realize that. She, so her ire from all of her distracted behavior and all of her servi- serving comes to the top, and she says, Lord, do you not even care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Hey, Jesus... She's sitting right there. I'm serving. What's the deal? Aren't you going to say something to her? And then it goes on, and it says this, tell her then to help me. You imagine how awkward that must have been? Everybody, Jesus is teaching, and everybody's having a good time, and Martha's had enough, like throws the apron down or whatever she's doing. She's like, Jesus? Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, okay. (laughs) You tell her to get her little tail in gear and help me. And everybody else is kind of going, oh. We have no indication this was a conversation off to the side. We just got, she's sitting at Jesus' feet. He's teaching, which is what Jesus did. And it's awkward. And so we get on to verse 41, and the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. Anyway, he says her name twice. He's like, chill out here, okay? It shows concern. It just shows Martha, Martha, what are you doing? You are anxious and troubled about so many things. But one thing is necessary. And the one who is sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary, is obviously doing what is necessary. And she says, Mary has chosen the good portion. That doesn't mean the other portion is bad. It just means she has chosen an idea of the better portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, I, wanted to mo- I, wanted to note, I want you to note something here. Both Martha and Mary are doing some things that we should esteem as right and are imitating Christ to some regard. For example, Martha is serving. Serving is what Jesus came to do. There is a scene in Matthew chapter 20 in which... In which um, uh, James and John get their mom to go to Jesus and ask them, ask her, ask Jesus to make them up uh, a higher up in the kingdom of heaven than their other disciples that are falling around. If you have to get your mom to fight your battles, you're losing man card points. Okay, all right. Especially these are grown men. Hey, mom, we want to be up in Jesus' kingdom when it comes. Cause obviously, they don't understand what's happening with the kingdom of God. So, would you go and tell him to make us high up and like? Make us on his right and left hand side, and so we can be like really important people, Mom. Would you do that? And she does. And I can almost see Jesus like, What are you doing, guys? Like, what you don't have the guts to ask me and talk to me about it? And what does he do? He says, This is Matthew 20, 25 to 28. But Jesus called them to him, and he said, This, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be among you. You know. We know people that lord their authority and use their authority to not serve other people. That's not how you're supposed to be in my kingdom. 
Jesus says, it shall not be among you, but whoever would be great among you must be a servant. And then he says this, and whoever would be first among you must be a slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. See, Martha is actually doing something godly, but she's a little out of balance. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but serving is not the problem. The serving out of whack with, with Sabbath is the problem, but we see this. That service is good. Service is what Jesus did. Jesus came to serve. His, his disciples wanted position and prominence. Jesus came having all the position of, and prominence of all time, being the Son of God, but setting that aside to come as the full God-man to earth to serve. Seen in John 13, when he washed those guys' nasty feet, these are Middle Eastern feet that walk hundreds. They don't wear, they, they still don't wear deodorant in that part of the country or part of the world most of the time. Could you imagine then? The smell, the traveling with these animals and walking with their nasty leather sandals. And then what does Jesus do before, he, before he's crucified? More humiliation. He, towels, he gets, grabs a towel and washes those jokers' nasty feet. And that is what we see. Jesus came to serve. And so in one sense, we need to understand that Martha in serving is not doing anything wrong. It's when it's out of whack that it is serving. Now, I want you to notice something else about Mary. Mary was also imitating Christ. Let's, let's flash back in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We'll, we'll, you don't have to turn there. It'll be on the screen in a second. Luke chapter 5. Jesus has just started his public ministry. He's called his disciples. All this different stuff has happened. And he heals a man with leprosy. And the guy comes up to him. Jesus, if you're willing, take away this leprosy. That's been keeping me from my family and that all part. And Jesus said, I'm willing. And you know what happened? Boom. Healed. And it says he was going around and his fame spread all throughout the countryside. We got in, this is Luke 5, 15, says this, but now even more, the report about him went abroad, and then it says this, and great crowds gathered to hear him, and he healed many infirmities. So Jesus is teaching, and he's got a big crowd, okay? Huge crowds following Jesus. And we know this, we see it in the Bible because he fed the 5,000, the 5,000 were men, so there's probably like 12,000 in the crowd. Notice this too, he spoke without amplification to 12,000 people, which I mean, how crazy is that to see that the crowd just come in to hear Jesus, to hear Jesus teach and preach the good news of the kingdom, but also he's healing all these infirmities. Now I want you to know, there was a ton of infirmities to heal. Modern medicine was not in the case. Yeah, the Romans had some medicine, but for the most part, people were sick. There was demon possession. There was all sorts of horrible things going on. There was more needs than you can ever really imagine. Do you ever do this when you watch the news? And you just go, man, we really need to do something for people over here in Haiti. Oh, man, you see what happened over here? We really need to do something for people over here. Oh, man, did you see that? There's a hurricane here. There's a flood here. There's a shooting here. There was a, this part of the world. There's this. There's famine over here. What are we going to do? And do you ever just feel like, I'm just going to turn this off because I want to help everybody, but I'm making 12 bucks an hour. Have you ever been to that point? Like, I have no, there's nothing I can do. Well, and first off, and also, there's nothing really... We can send some money. There's a lot of ways. There's nothing we really can do anything about it. The Son of Man could speak, and the infirmity would be healed. 
He didn't even have to be in the presence of the person. He told a lot of people, like, go home. They're already better. Are you sure? Yeah, go. All right, and they leave. Healing of the centurion's daughter. We see all these different situations where Jesus does that. So he, not only, we don't have the power, but sometimes we feel overwhelmed. He has the power. He's on this mission from God. And then what does he do when all of these great needs and all the people come to hear him teach and all the people come with their problems and with their infirmities? What does he do? Verse 16, but he would withdraw. It's a continual thing. He would withdraw to desolate places and pray the middle of his ministry, this was Jesus' mode of operation. He'd work and he'd do all these great things and then he would retreat and he would sit at his father's feet. So when we see Mary sitting there just soaking up Jesus' words in a place where culturally she would never have been otherwise unless the Son of God was there to break down the barriers and to bring those ladies in so that there's no, there's no male or female, no slave or, or free man in Christ. There's only one. We're in Christ. You see here she is doing a good thing, too. She is imitating Jesus, and she is sitting at Jesus' feet. But there is obviously a problem here, right, in this story in Luke chapter 10, because Jesus, because Mary is ticked. Would you tell, or Martha is ticked, would you tell my sister to get up and help me? And Jesus says, whoa, 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 pump the brakes. She is doing a good thing. And she is doing the necessary thing. So what is the problem here? See, we are called to live life of both service and Sabbath. Service in the sense that we, we work for the glory of God to love other people. In Jesus' name, we are to put our feet in, in motion and in action. If we're not doing so, we see what Paul says about those who aren't working in the church. In 2 Thessalonians 3, 10 through 12, he says... For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, don't let him eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. Now, such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own living. And so there were some freeloaders who were coming to all the church get-togethers, and they weren't bringing any food. And he said, if you don't work and you're just being a punk and being lazy... You're not going to have any part. Don't, you don't eat. That seems harsh. Do you know what? You weren't created to be lazy, and neither was I. You were created for work. Work was a good thing. Remember, Adam was, was given work to do before the fall into sin. Our work's just made more difficult because of sin. You know that. You may even like your job. But then at the, when, it, when, when you've worked a real long week, you want to crash hard. That is the adverse effects of the fall on our work. So I want you to see this really clearly, that service is something that we need to be about. And I want you to know something. If you're here, we expect you to serve. And if you're not serving, it's not, it's not good for us, but it's really not good for you. Find somebody who doesn't have anything to do and don't, doesn't really have a purpose, doesn't really, is kind of aimless, and see if they're happy. I mean, yeah, okay, some of you are thinking, oh, I would love to have nothing to do for like three months. Some of you moms are like, please, let there be nothing to do when I get home. But do that for three, four, five months in a row, you will be beside yourself, and you will find ways and invent ways to be 
to be maybe a busybody, to find ways that are not good. So you were created on purpose, for purpose. Your purposes are, are, God uses and glorifies himself in all the different purposes you were created for. So I want you to see that service is something you need to do. Service, put your, put your, 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 your action, put your will into work so you can serve. And that is something that we should do. You should make efforts to serve. Some of you may not know where to serve, but you know what? Just try something for crying out loud. And if you're not good at it, people will let you know, okay? And then you'll try something else. But you're called to do something. You're called to serve. But here's the problem, because I realized this. I was going to talk about service this week, but I realized I'm going to talk in this ladies' conference, and so many of you ladies are serving all over the place, in multiple places. And now when, you don't, when you're not serving here, you're serving at home. And I realized if I preach this message about service, that some of you need to be kicked in the rear by the Word of God, okay? Get out there. However... Some of you need to hear this word of Sabbath that we have coming for you here. Don't want to pile on your burdens because you are serving. You need to know this, that the problem here is not that Martha is serving. That's a good thing. The problem here is that her life is out of balance biblically. Her life is out of balance biblically. It wasn't long after we got here that Amy and I were, were doing some errands for the church, and there was a ditch next to one of the houses we were pulling next to. I was trying to wave at her, and I thought we were, you know, I thought we may have that marriage mind meld where she would understand my wavings, okay? I was telling her to park in this parking lot, and she thought I was like, park in the ditch. <laughs> so she pulled into the ditch. Like a wet ditch. I'm like, what are you doing? No! <laughs> no! She's like, you told me to park in the ditch. I'm like, why did you park in the ditch? And the, the van, like, we drive like a Honda, Honda van. It's not for off-road. Okay? Like, people don't take that out and, like, you know, go mudding in them. I, we apparently do, but most people don't. And she drove that bad boy into the mud. I'm like, no! And I'm trying to keep keep my cool. I'm like, it's all good. I'm not doing a very good job. I'm about to blow a gasket. We can't get it out. And finally, I gunned that thing and turned it and get back and forth. I wiggled it out. We were covered in mud. We got to going down the interstate in the car. It felt like. <laughs> and she's like, Matt, are you mad at me? I'm like, no, I'm fine. <laughs> Seething with rage, okay? Fine. Good. I'm like, oh, we're out of balance. I'm going to have to pay like $400 or something. Like we got like our alignment screwed up. I don't know what had the frame of the car maybe bent because she just drove it into the ditch. I'll take, I'll take responsibility. I love you. I'll take responsibility for this. And I got to the place, and I'm like, I didn't, even, I didn't throw her under the bus. I am now, apparently, to everybody, and then whoever listens to this online. But I pull it in. I said, it got in the ditch. <laughs> the guy's like, what? I'm like, don't ask any questions. It just drives funny now. <laughs> so he got it up there. And there was just so much caked in mud. <laughs> Once he cleared it out, the car was driving fine. I don't know what happened. He told me something. I was like, whatever. It's, the balance. it's not out of balance. It's good. You know, a tire's out of, uh, the car's out of balance. It'll, it can run. You can drive an out-of-balance car for a while. But if you keep driving that out-of-balance out of car, you're going to have a lot of problems. 
And eventually there will be a catastrophic thing that happens to that, and that car will probably be unable to be salvaged. Same thing is true with our lives when we are not biblically balanced. When we don't have service as a part of our life, there's a problem. We get bored and lazy, and we tend to complain, and we tend to think about what other people are doing and look at it and kind of just give criticism. It's a lot easier to complain about something when you're not in the midst of doing it, right? And so that happens there, but if you're on the other end, you become like Martha was. Notice the things the Bible says about Martha in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse uh, 40. And Martha was distracted. You know why she was distracted? With much serving. She had many things going on. You imagine all the things she had to do. Remember, this is not a microwave age, and this is not a stove age. This is cooking over fire age. This is, she has got all these things going. She's got all these people staying at her house. At least there were 13 people there, plus her and, and, and Mary. So there's 14 people she's cooking for in these rudimentary kitchens that she would have probably had in Bethany. And so she was running around. And then not only that, they probably at this point did not have running water. I know some of the Roman Empire did, but probably Palestine did not have running water. And so to get water in order to cook and wash your hands and do whatever you need to do, somebody had to run and get the water. So you imagine all the household managing she's having to do. There's a ton of things going on. It's just, it's just overwhelming. It's just more and more. And she's become so distracted and overwhelmed. That's what the Bible says. And then it says, and she went up because of that, because she was distracted and overwhelmed by all the things she has, what happened? She becomes snippy. It's a theological term to mean agitated, bitey with your comments. Happened to me this morning. We were running late. I wanted to fire a gun in the air. Let's go! Boom, 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 okay? Get in the car! Everybody, okay? Get in the car! Overwhelmed, distracted, many things going on. What happens? Your behavior towards other people is not love like it should be, not the second great commandment, which is love your neighbor as yourself. You become very self-centered. A lot of times you become self-righteous. Look at Mary's words. It fills, it's filled with self-righteousness. Lord, do you not care? Look at the snippiness and the self-righteousness that are simultaneously here because her life is out of balance. He says this, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. You see how much of it's implied she is a bum. I am doing all the work. Tell her to get off of her lazy hindquarters and help me. That is what I want you to do because I'm doing all of this work. She's the martyr. I am working for you, Jesus. Why don't you have, give me some help? And then Jesus, when he's trying to communicate with her and calm her down a little bit and show her the error, what does he say in verse 41? But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I don't necessarily think this was disappointment in Jesus. I, I feel, I mean, I, this is me reading between the lines, I feel there was great compassion here. Martha, Martha, you are anxious. So what did we get? she got going on? She's distracted. She's overwhelmed. She's got so many things to do on her plate. <sighs> she feels alone, and she's become snippy, and then she, she's, asking, she, she's really being snippy towards Jesus and her sister. Jesus, are you going to say something about this? I'm doing all this work. Self-righteousness has come in. Anxiety has come in, and many of you know what anxiety disorders are, and you understand how that rises up in you, and that shortness of breath 
and that difficulty, and you're just overwhelmed by the things you have, and you're so worried about getting it all done. And then what does he say? He says, you're so troubled by many things. Are those things real? Yes, of course they're real. There's a meal that has to be served. There's beds that have to be made. you got 14 people at your house. We don't know how big it is. We don't know. Bob, don't give us that. There's a lot of people there. And what, what does he say to her? You're anxious about and trouble about so many things, but in verse 42 he says this, but one thing is necessary. One thing is needed. See, here's the problem. We get out of balance when our life is not, we don't have service in our life and we, things happen that are, tear us down and we're not living what we, how we should and we become, when we're not serving like we should, we, we become grumblers and complainers and we're not serving like we should, we become depressed because we don't see our purpose, we don't see how God's using us, that, that's, that's a real thing. But if we serve to the point where we think we can do it all on our own and we forget the necessity of Sabbath rest, the commandment of God fulfilled in Jesus, and now we see the principle that applies to all of us, if we don't see the need to sit at the feet of Christ and to be filled with his presence and to be filled with his word and to commune with him and to know him, we don't set aside that time for rest and leisure that points us to God and glorifies God. We will be where Martha is, and we will be filled with anxiety. We will be filled with trouble. We will be filled with snippiness. We will be filled with self-righteous anger and bitterness because we are serving too much and forgetting the one thing that is necessary, the one thing that is needed one thing that is essential. Do you know what Jesus says? He is going to have to eat the meal that Martha is preparing. It is really in his, gastro, his gastrointestinal, it would be to his gastrointestinal benefit for that to be a delicious meal, okay? And to be one that's not as cooked properly so he won't become ill. He knows dinner's coming, but what does he say? There is one thing necessary. More than food, more than you having a nice clean house, it's necessary that you sit and do what Mary's doing. Now, I want to I point that out. Many of you have probably seen this passage before, and you've maybe heard the story. And he says this. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be shaken away from her. And you know, the, you've probably heard it before, preached this way. You don't want to be a Martha. You want to be a Mary. Well, I want to know something. Mar- Martha sometimes gets a real bad rap, but she was just out of balance. She's trying to serve. So I don't want to throw Martha under the bus. It's like throwing Peter under the bus for getting out of the boat and sinking. And (laughs) at least he got out and all the other dudes were in the boat. He was out in the water with Jesus, walking to him, if you remember that story in the New Testament. And see, we see here Martha is serving, and she is doing, she's imitating Jesus. Jesus was serving, but she had gotten out of balance, and she did not realize that her life is not just supposed to be filled with service, and yes, it is supposed to be filled with service. If you're not serving somewhere, you need to serve somewhere. You need to serve somewhere. It's for your best interest. Yes, it's for the glory of God and for the church, and we all have the member, we're all many parts of the same body. We need all the members to function, yes, but that's not what this is about. If you don't do it, it is bad for you personally not to serve. You're missing out on blessings. You're missing out on what God has for you, missing out on glorifying God. You are missing out if you are not serving. However, if you are serving without an eye towards your need for rest and Sabbath and communion with Jesus. You're out of balance. You're going to be like that car who's out of balance, and you are going to hit 
a wall, and you can shipwreck yourself with that. So, what do we do? There's some, there's, there's some inner cynicism right now that's rising up in you. Maybe not. Maybe you're just like not cynical. I'm very cynical, okay? And this is already rising up in me because I hear some of you being like, I just don't have any time, Matt. Dude, some of you guys, I work like crazy. I know you do. Some of you guys are some of the hardest working people I have ever seen in my life. You work so hard and you're so dedicated. And it's awesome to see. And you're working all the time. I'm working these crazy shifts. I hear that. And some of you say, I have no time. And some of you mothers out there are like, do you know? I just want to go to the bathroom by myself without hands underneath the door going, Mommy! Mommy! I need milk! I'm going to die of thirst. You just drank some milk. I need a chocolate and a Prozac and a break. I know, I hear it. There's no time. There's no time. I want you to know something, though. You, you will make time for what you need. You will. I mean, just, it just what you love and what you need, you will make time for. And I want you to know this. You need this. If it was a commandment that was fulfilling Christ and we see how much rest we need and he's our rest from our, our work so we can't work to, work to earn our salvation. We have to rest in his finished work. If that principle is true and we see all of this, that, that in all the serving, he said, Mary, the dinner, or Martha, the, ser- the dinner's not that important. The bed's being made. It's not important. What is the necessary thing is to hear me and to be with me. I want you to know something. You have to carve out time. You know what that means? That means intentionally finding ways to make this happen. Have a discussion with your husband, ladies. Husbands, have a discussion with your life. Cut something out of your life if you have to. There are non-essentials because you need this. Now, this, what, what are we talking about when we talk about Sabbath? Yes, we are talking about time and communion in God's Word. No, you do not have to, to relegate it to this particular time and place like they did in the Old Testament because I believe those laws are fulfilled, okay? So it doesn't have to be from, from sundown, fr- sundown Friday till Saturday, till till the sun goes down again. That's not what we're talking about. It doesn't have to be that. But what it needs to be is you carving out time in a day is what the Lord called for. And I think you should try to carve out at least 24 hours in a period of time where you can have things where you are communing with God and you are doing things, activities that give you, that are restful activities that increase your affections for Jesus. What, is, what, are those look, what are those look like? So it's not just, not just the prayer and the Bible study and, 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 and those things that you need to take time for. Yes, absolutely. But there are things in your life that are restful activities that really increase your affection for Jesus. For, for most of us, they're different things. Okay? For me, like for some of you guys, like hunting is your thing. I would be so anxious if I went out and, and hunted because I've never done it before. Okay? It's not really that relaxing to me. Um, and then fishing, for example, I'm not, I just not good at, at that, okay? Mike knows. I went over to Mike and Rhonda's place, and I was like, what is this idiot doing trying to fish, okay? I didn't, I had a good time. I had a really good time, but it's not necessarily my rest point, okay? So what are these activities that, that make a rest for my soul and then increase my affection for Jesus? For me, 
I like to go see movies, like sit in the movie theater, because that's the way my ADD can kind of like be compressed and focused. And I love stories, and I see the gospel in all the stories that, that, that we see. Not all of them, but you can see things. You can see things about people's lives. Amy and I went to see uh, a movie the other day. It was a musical, and, and I don't usually like, I'm usually into those completely, but I love this one. And it talked about dreams, and I man, it just pumped my soul up to go do that and hang out with my wife, too. So I needed that. Another thing, I love to go out of town, just to get out of town for like a couple of days, just to breathe. Because if I'm at the house, if I'm in town, I'm thinking about how can I pray for people, what do I need to do in ministry, what do we need to do at the house. And so it just kind of just kind of starts, even though I, yeah, I don't have to do anything this morning, it starts kind of closing in on me. So what I like to do is get out of the house and go with my family. And I was looking at some family vacation pictures, and I just looked, at, and I just, I love those things. I don't even have to do anything that I really necessarily enjoy that much, just to see my little boy grow up and to see the blessings of God is like amazing to me. Just look in his face. See my wife and just to us just kind of have that time apart together. That revives my soul. I see the blessings of God. It gives me that time to read the Bible, not so I can pour it out to other people, but so I can pour it into my heart. That's some things that the Lord uses to make me rest and to increase my affections towards Jesus. Another thing is just long drives. Some of you guys just want to just, just as this is an aside, this is free. Stop listening to talk radio crying out loud just makes you angry just makes you angry all the time and there's plenty of stuff to be angry about okay I'm not telling you that just stop though because you're just making you angry and you want to shoot somebody just stop until you can get yourself under control and then be informed again because this man this world's angry right now that's free okay i'm going back okay just <laughs> that's free i just it's kind of I want you to see this here. That, to me, is a long drive where I don't have to think about anything but not getting hit by another car, okay, on the interstate. And just having maybe I grab a sermon podcast or, or maybe I just get some music or maybe it's just me sitting in silence and hearing just in that still small solitude moment hearing from Jesus. I don't know what it is for you. Those things that I just said, you may be like, that is awful, Okay, you have weird tastes and things, and I probably do. But I want you to know something, that if you do not take that time and you don't carve it out, it will not happen, first off. And the devil wants you to be busy all the time so you don't sit at the feet of Jesus. I want you to just hear this. If you don't do it, you have to do it. Mothers, you have to do it. Talk to that husband of yours. Say, watch the kids. You had a part in this. Okay, be nice. I'm kidding, okay? All right? Gentlemen, we need to find our way too. And ladies, you need to let him go. Because we need to have that in our lives. So let's go. We time, we knocked it out. And here's your other inner cynic is saying this. There's just so much to do. Really, if we're, we're going to break it down, the reason that you are having problems right now, if you're having, if you're having some doubts and the, your inner cynic is coming out about this need for both service and Sabbath, want to know the main reason you're having problems with, or you're trying to fight against this idea right now, is the main reason is you're rejecting, or say this, you are, you are living right now in unbelief. I'm not saying you're not believing in Christ, but you're not believing in his sufficiency to take care of your problems, that you're at this place. You don't believe the Lord can take care of you without your intervention. Let me just say that again. The main reason we're having is we don't believe the Lord will take care of us 
without our intervention. Let's look at ancient Israel just for a second. Let's think back at them in the book of Exodus and some of the places when we have the institution of the Ten Commandments, and we have the Sabbath day going, and we have the people walking in the wilderness, and we have these situations in Israel where if you do not work, you don't eat. Like many of them, especially when they got into the promised land, they were, t- they were working fields. And if they weren't out there working the cattle and working the fields, they, they could actually starve to death. Famine was a real thing, and they had a bad crop year. And so for them to not work seven days a week at their farms must have been crazy difficult. Because you know what they did? They were letting complete and utter trust in God. God told them to do it. All right, God, I should be working on that. There's a million things I could do in the field. Many things I could do for my livestock. I'm going to rest. Now you think about this in the book of Exodus when God fed the people in Israel. What did he feed them with? Manna, right? And quail eventually, but manna first. What did the people try to do? Some of them tried to stockpile extra manna for the next day. God gave it today. He might not give it tomorrow. So what did they do? They tried to, they tried to stockpile it. What would happen to it? Unless it was the day before the Sabbath day, it would rot. But on the day before the Sabbath, you know what they would do? They would pick enough for two baskets, and it would stay put. Do you realize that that defies logic at this point? Every other day it molds, but on this day it will not mold. Do you realize what they're doing? They're trusting their health and well-being to the Lord. And that is what it means, because there will always be one more thing. There will always be things swirling around you. There will always be that next thing. There will always be more things. And what really gets, what's down at the heart of the reason we do not want to take a break in the Sabbath and come to the feet of Jesus is because we find that if, we don't, if our intervention is not happening, it might not get done because we don't trust him to fight for us. We don't trust that he's got this. We don't trust it. He tells us to. Do you get that? It's a, it's an act of faith to stop and to rest. No, ladies, especially particularly speaking to you, and having a wife who I love dearly, there was always something else to clean. There's always some other part of something in your child's life to do. There's always another thing to fix, another place to serve. But you are called to do the necessary thing. Yes, serve, obviously. But you're also called to sit at the feet of Jesus and to find things that wake your soul up to love him more. And you must find that or you will perish. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I hope you hear me. This, you're, you're just, you'll become bitter and angry and anxious and so beat down. Men, it happens to us the same. You see burnout amongst so many men. You see burnout. You're talking about the ministry. You see burnout. Guys work seven days a week, all hours of the night on call all the time, and they don't make that margin, that separation. And what happens? Your, shul- your soul shrivels because you do not have that inward coming and the inward feeling of the sitting at the feet of Jesus. Oh, you need that. And really, our problem is unbelief. I want to take you to last, one last section in Exodus chapter 14. This is what's happened, okay? God has, do you remember, you, you remember the plagues? And even if you're not familiar with the Bible, you've probably, you've heard, probably heard this story before. God raised up Moses to take the people out of Israel. How did he get them out? It's through plagues. The last of the plagues was the worst, the death of the firstborn sons. Only the ones who had the blood over the doors were able to escape. And so that has happened, and God has taken his people out, and Pharaoh and the Egyptians, 
gave them all sorts of money and said, get out of here. We don't want any more of those plagues from your God. And they go out. And God has the people of Israel camp in between Egypt and the sea. <laughs> right? The Red Sea. He says, y'all just stop. If you're running from somebody, you don't just kind of stop, okay? In between, like, it's like you're, oh, it's like rock hard place to people of Israel, okay? They're right in the middle of it. He says to stop. And he says, you know why I want you to stop? It actually is in Exodus 14. He stops. He says, I, I want to do this. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. This is Exodus 14. And he will pursue you. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and the Egyptians shall not, uh, shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Do you know why God stopped the Israelites? So that he could harden Pharaoh's heart and send him out and destroy Pharaoh so he would get the glory. So he made them stop and wait. And I bet you some of the people who are following were like, can we go? Can, like, they're there. That, at that time, the Egyptian army was the biggest and best army in the world. And they were coming. And so God, that, what happened since? So in Exodus 14, 10 through 14, when Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. So on the horizon, you see the best army in the world coming. You got a sea this way. You really don't have any weapons. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Can you imagine? They're coming, they're coming. You imagine the terror that was filling these people's hearts? The last time they had left, all the Egyptians were mourning and wailing because of the dead kids, and you know they're going to take that out on the people of Israel. They're coming. And here's what happens. And Moses said to the people, after they freaked out, and you can go read Exodus 14 because they're freaking out. Why do you bring us out here? Are there not graves in Egypt? Are we going to die in Egypt? We're going to die out here now. Exodus 14, 13 says this, And Moses said to the people, Fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation of the Lord, which will work for you today. It's coming. You don't see the Dead Sea opening up, or the Red Sea opening up. You don't see that yet, but I, it's coming. And it says this, For the Egyptians who you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. You hear that? What did they want to do? They wanted to run. And they wanted to work. And they wanted to flee from the Egyptians. And what do we see here? Trust me. I got this. There's a plan in place that's going to be taken care of. You will never see these Egyptians again. They will be on the bottom of the sea. I will crush them. You just need to be still. And I want you to know something right now. The many, one of the many reasons we are losing some of our spiritual battles is because we are not resting in the Lord and letting him fight for us. This is a call to service. Yes, you hear me. It's all throughout the Bible. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. But he also said, he also was imitation of being with his father, leaving all the, in the needs of ministry to go be with his father in desolate places and to pray. And then we see with Mary, we see with Martha and Mary, we see a servant who's out of balance. 
and who needs to see her sister there at the feet of Jesus. And we have, if we don't carve out time, this will not be us. And if we don't carve out time, our souls will be so out of balance that we will hit a shipwreck. And we need to know this. We need to stop and express our faith that the Lord fights battles that we don't even see while we're resting. I can tell you so many stories. I don't have time. But I just want you to know this. The Lord fights for his people. The Lord, what did, what did he say? The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. There is some rest that needs to descend on some hearts today and some changes that need to be made. We're going to spend a moment in prayer, and I'm going to ask Christy to come up, and she's going to lead us in a song that has been um, kind of our anthem for this conference. And I just want you to, you'll hear the note the Lord will fight for you. And I want to call you all. First off, I'm going to give you opportunity. We don't usually do this, but I'll give you an opportunity. Kevin's down front, Rebecca's down front, I'm down here, Amy's down here. If any of you ladies or gentlemen want to talk about what it means to know Christ or want, want some prayer and have some areas in our life that need prayer for, come and please talk to us and there will be time after the service to do that as well. Secondly, I want you to know, while this happens, after we pray, we'll do that one. Secondly, I want you to know if you would like to come and pray up here at the front. These are just steps, okay? This is not an altar. These are just steps. But if you want to just come down and pray or you ask somebody to come pray with you, please do that during this song because I want you to know something. The the Lord's spoken very clearly through his word, through our time together, the ladies' time together, and I think this morning that we are called to service and we are also called to rest in him in faith and some of us just need rest so I want to invite you let's take a moment let's bow in the silence of this moment and let's just spend a moment in prayer and then I'll close this and then I'll pray and then Christy will lead us God you said Jesus you said to us that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Many of the burdens we're carrying, and most of them are not from you. Oh no, like none of them really are for you. From you, <laughs> if we're honest, most of them are from us. And God, we see our need to serve. Like well, as you call servants out and workers of the harvest. Lord, I also call, I pray and lift up those who just need rest. Rest from their works. Some of them are trying to be good enough to be saved, and they cannot be. The only way to be saved is to trust the finished work of Christ. So may salvation rise up, and may people repent of their sins and believe. Secondly, God, there may be someone here that is just so broken by the world, and so tired, and so beaten. And they need, to have, they need to make Sabbath rest a part of their life. And so, God, I pray your spirit would minister. And they would come to you and lay their burdens down. And they would come to the table of the Lord. And we know you're fighting our battles. Help these spiritual truths become alive in our hearts for your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and sing together.
fight for you. You have only to be silent. Go in his grace. <laughs> 